In the TFA's continuing series of interviews with state legislators, today we have with us Representative Jerry Sexton. Representative, how long have you been in the General Assembly? I am in my eighth year, serving in my fourth term. What district do you represent? And I'll add to this question, what did the redistricting plan do to that district? Well, right now I represent the 35th district, which consists of Granger, Claiborne, and part of Union Counties. And they changed that to the 10th district, which removes Claiborne and Union, and it adds part of Hamlin County. And what that does to me is that forces the representative from Hamlin County, which is Rick Eldridge and myself, to have to run against each other to determine who will get that seat. So one of us will not be here in the next General Assembly. Uh, of course, what they done to me was they took away 70% of my district. They took away the strongest areas of my district. So they really put me in a tough situation. It's almost like I have to start from scratch, build up support. I'm not unknown in the area. I've never been in city government, which uh, Representative Eldridge has. He's been on city council. So it's an uphill climb for me. Is it like a lot of different districts in the state now? The Republican primary is pretty much the election for that district? It is, and, and it was before. That didn't change. I've never had a Democratic opponent. That's interesting. What committee assignments do you currently have? I am on the uh, Sub-Criminal Justice Committee and Vice Chair of the Criminal Justice Full Committee and also sit on Finance, Ways and Means and Appropriations, Naming and Designating, so I'm on five committees. That's a pretty heavy load to carry out there, isn't it? It is. Uh, actually, I had more than that last year. They had to reduce the load because constitutionally I couldn't be on as many committees they had me on. Hmm. I was on seven last year. Wow, that's unique. I haven't talked to anybody that had seven committee assignments. Me neither, so I don't know what the deal was behind that. You're a pretty good-sized boy, but uh, that's got you stretched a little thin, I think. So Very much so. What legislation have you carried that impacts the right to keep and bear arms in Tennessee? Well, that's a good question. I'd have to really go back in my archives, try to pull them on up. I know one that comes to mind was the community corrections officers, I don't know if you're familiar with that, they changed that several years ago to have a community corrections officer because they were having a hard time keeping up. And one of the problems was that they could not carry firearms. Department of Corrections wouldn't fund them going through the training so that they could. So it took four years, but I was able to pass a bill that gave community corrections officers the right to carry a firearm because they were going into as dangerous situations as anybody employed of the state uh, as a correctional officer. So we were able to do that. It took us a while. Um, of course, I was co-sponsors on constitutional carry with the governors. Uh, I actually had a bill a few years ago that would make, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it, it's made in Tennessee now to be the state muzzleloader. And it failed in the Senate. <laughs> That's one of my very passionate goals is to do anything that I can to preserve and keep the right of the Second Amendment. It's uh, under attack by the left all the time. So I think that's one of the most important things we can do is to keep our Second Amendment rights. So I'm, I'm always big on that. Anytime that I can get a co-sponsor or a bill, I've, I've got two that I'm running this year. 
One of them is uh, the no firearm signage permit holders. And basically, all this does is if someone is concealed carry or not even concealed carry, but they go into an establishment that's got signs that says no firearms allowed, uh, but they didn't see the sign, it just simply says that they first have to be asked if, you know, the owner says no firearms allowed. And then the person would just say, oh, well, I didn't see the sign. I'm sorry. And then he would leave. There wouldn't be any laws that are broken. And if they don't leave, then, of course, you know, they could, they could be charged with crime. But um, that's basically all that bill does. And then the other one, it's the Second Amendment Simplification Act. It just eliminates several offenses that are associated with carrying a firearm where there's no intent other than to go armed. It's also one of the lines is the possession of a firearm or club with the intent to go armed. And I think we misunderstand this. I think we've been indoctrinated in our country that going armed is not a good word. Going armed just means that for me, it means I'm defending myself. I have the right to do that. And our forefathers intended for us to have the right to protect ourselves with a firearm. And that's the thing that separates us from any other nation. We are a, a nation of by and for the people. And the people are supposed to govern and run this nation. We have the right to do that, just like our government has the right to defend itself. We as individuals have that right according to our Constitution. And I'm huge on the Second Amendment. If we lose our Second Amendment, we lose America. There's a lot more on that subject and other things that could cause us to go down. Huge. It's a huge, huge part of us staying free is us keeping our right to keep and bear arms, the right to defend ourselves, the right to be aggrieved with our government and what they're doing. It gives us that right in the Constitution to say, no, Mr. Government, you're out of line. You're not with the Constitution. And people think that they can just take the Constitution and make it say anything that they want to. But the Second Amendment is very simple, very simple, that we have the right to keep and bear arms, and this right shall not be infringed. Doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? No, and that's no. what this simplification does. It just says, look, you can charge me for crime just for bearing arms if I'm with the intent of just going armed. I think very few people understand that in 1796, when the Constitution was written, it was pretty simple for Tennessee, too. Uh, that was Article 11, Section 26 in the original Constitution of 1796, said the citizens of Tennessee have a right to keep in bear arms for their common defense. And that was the end of it, that we didn't have a codicil that said, however, the legislature shall have power by law to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. And I believe, as I understand this bill that you're carrying now, what it simply does, it removes the criminal aspect of you enjoying the rights to arms that our Tennessee Constitution has enumerated. A lot of people think that government is responsible for giving you your rights. I portend that they pre-existed government in any form, that the good Lord gave you the ability and the right to defend your person and your family and your home, as far as that's concerned. This bill, as I understand it, would simply remove that criminal aspect. If you go in and rob a store, it's not going to say, well, you know, he, he can carry that gun anywhere he wants to and do anything. That's not it. It simply removes the criminal aspect. People don't get that your permit is simply a defense against prosecution. 
something that you paid the government for. And when you start paying the government to enjoy a right, it becomes a privilege and ceases to be a right. I agree with you totally. I always thought the concealed carry permit, you had to go to the government and pay them a fee and get a right to, to carry. And I always thought it was our government should be sued for that because they don't have the right to give me a right that I already have. Charge me for something that the Constitution says I already have. When we capitulate or we, uh, we don't fight back against these egregious laws that are made, then we're just complying with things that robs us of our Constitution, makes it of no value. I am 100% with you on everything that you just said. We have the right. It shall not be infringed. I hated it every time I had to renew my... Your handgun carry permit? Yes. Uh, there's actually a move. I think somebody's got it that when you renew this next time that it would become a lifetime and it wouldn't cost you anything extra. I'm interested to see where that one goes. Yeah, we have changed that over the years. We had one a few years back that you could get it for uh, several years. Someone asked me if I was going to get it for several years, and I said, no, uh, I want to remind it every year that I'm doing something that I shouldn't have to do. And I said, hopefully, before I ever leave the legislature, we don't even have to have these concealed carry permits. Of course, there's other states you need it for that purpose, but for Tennessee, we, we shouldn't have even a concealed carry permit. Well, I have always pretended that we need to keep the permit in place in Tennessee for folks like me who travel for work. We have to get on an airplane. We've got to fly to Maryland and to be able to carry our weapons with us there. They require that you have a permit. And so for reciprocity's sake, we want to keep the permit for the average Tennessean going about his daily business. I have always thought that it was unnecessary and that it was actually a basal right that God granted you, the government just simply should recognize. We do have to have them for other states. Right. I, I grew up when we had rifles in the back window of our pickup truck. You know, it's they want to make it about hunting. It's not all about hunting. It's about protection. I carry for protection. I get my wife and my daughter carry permits. I wanted them to have it for protection. They don't carry anything about hunting. And of course, we need the right to hunt, but we need the right to keep and bear arms for our own protection. That's correct. And for the protection of our state and our nation. That's right. When you read the Second Amendment, it says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's a whole mouthful right there. Yeah, I wish we'd teach that in schools. Part of our Constitution, that right there, people don't understand that. If our government gets out of control, we have the right to bear arms to fight against our own government. We hope that it never comes to that, but the reason the Second Amendment was written was for that very purpose. People forget that when this nation was founded, what we were doing is we were telling the then in-power government that we were tired of what they were making us do. As free human beings, we took it upon ourselves to liberate ourselves from the government, and we didn't do that with words. No, we didn't. I'm at a bloody price. Yes, absolutely. I think it's best put when they say it's by sacrifice of blood and treasure because it cost yes. us in our homes and our lands and in our lives, and people were willing to stand up for that. How do you see this upcoming legislative session with respect to Second Amendment issues? What do you think is going to happen? I think the one of the bills that I've got, of course, you know, the Simplification Act, I, I think it'll be scrutinized extremely heavy. 
I supported the governor's constitutional carry, but I did not think it went far enough. And this uh, just takes what he done a little further. I think it will be scrutinized heavily. I don't know. I don't really have a feel for whether it will pass or not. We're going to do everything that we can to get people on board with it. I've had some good comments by some that I wasn't thinking maybe that they would, but I think we've moved a little forward, getting more friendly with the Second Amendment in the legislature. So we'll see. I I think the Senate's still a big question mark more than the House. That appears to have been the case for the last couple of years, though I did notice last year that when the governor's bill was going forward, the Senate actually moved it first. That's uncharacteristic for these type of issues. Normally, the Senate will say, well, we want to see what's going to happen in the House before we spend any time on it. But they moved that bill first over there, so it's going to be an interesting year to watch. (laughs) What do you think, Representative Sexton, that the average TFA member can do to further the restoration of our rights to arms as granted in 1796. What are the best steps that the average Joe out here that's interested in this can take to help with these issues? Get involved. Make your voices known to your representatives and to your senators. If you have an opportunity, come to the legislature. Come and sit down with them. Let them know that you're concerned. It always makes a difference when my constituents call and let me know what their concerns is. Sometimes, you know, they'll tell you something that you hadn't thought of yourself. Quite often that happens. Support, just like the Tennessee Firearms Association, people need to support it as a member with their donations because there's people like you, Archie, and others that are out there that's fighting that most of the time on your own dime and taking your own time and your own money to (laughs) not try to get us a right, but try to keep the rights that we already have. In this case, it's the Second Amendment. So I think it's time for us to get off the couch, put our money where our mouth is at. That's what I've done. I have my own businesses back home. I've got my own life. I didn't want to do this, but I was concerned about our country and the direction that it was going. And it was time for me to stand up, become a voice, In this case, uh, I was able to represent the 35th district, and they hired me. As long as I do the job for them, they'll keep hiring me or or fire me one. We've got to get involved, Richard. We've got to get involved, let our voices know. Look at what the left is doing. I mean, they are constantly, we have protesters down here every session about something, and it's always the left. Well, I'm seeing more and more people, everyday citizens, that's getting concerned, just like I did. They're willing to stand up and fight. Fight in your churches. Don't be afraid to be political in your churches because, listen, if we don't get political in our churches, our churches are going to be run by the political system, not by our pastors, godly people. Get involved. Get involved in your community. People says, what can I do? Get involved at the local politics. Join some of these political clubs. I hope Republican. Uh, get involved with the men's group, ladies' group. Uh, run for school board just anything. I think that is exactly what the general public needs to hear. As you know, I'm an advocate of the Tennessee Constitution, and I've studied it quite extensively. But Article 1, Section 23 tells us that we have the right to peaceably assemble and to petition our government for redress of grievances. We are charged in that clause of the Constitution to instruct our elected employees. 
If more people understood that you guys are doing a job, you're working at what you do at the legislature, you're not our kings, you are our elected employees, and we sent you there to speak and advocate for us. If we don't tell you what we expect of you, you're not going to know. I tell people it is necessary that you have your representative and your senator's cell phone numbers, that you call them, that you email them. What you want to do is let them know your thoughts. Do that respectfully. When you call that representative's office, don't jump on the lady or the gentleman that's answering the phone there. You're not going to help yourself at all. They're doing a job too. But if you're respectful and say, I would like for the representative to understand my position on this issue, simply state that. Be as quick and as brief as you can. Be polite. If we don't get involved, we're fixing to lose this experiment in liberty that we have. We hear so many people say, it doesn't matter. I'm not even going to vote. My vote don't count. My voice don't matter. You're right. If you have that opinion, you'll never make a difference because you'll never say anything and you'll never do anything. That's just a cop-out to me. That's just an easy, lazy way of doing nothing. If you want change, yes, your voice does matter. Yes, your vote matters. And yes, your words matter. How do you think that all of these protesters and everything, how do you think they've taken our country so far to the left? It's because they've worked for it. It's time for us on the right to start working for what we believe in and standing up for it and being willing to get on the front line and get shot at. I'm speaking metaphorically, of course. Take the abuse from the left. I don't care what the liberal media says about me. I could care less. It means nothing to me. I've got values that are true to me. And I will firmly believe them, and you're not going to change my mind, and I will stand from the rooftops to shout it to the world that, yes, I believe in the Second Amendment. Yes, I believe in life that begins at conception. I'm not ashamed of those things. I'm proud of them. I think most people are, but they get shut up by these big bullhorns. Just tell the liberal left to go take a hike. Representative Sexton, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, and let me say thank you to the TFA and all that you do for our Second Amendment rights. I appreciate it very much. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.